I want to talk to you again and review a subject that's mystified me. Why did Solomon fail? It has been a nagging question in my mind for so many years. The man had everything going for him. He was chosen of God. He was used of God. He knew the word of God. The Bible says he was the wisest man to ever live and ever will live. Uh, he may have been the smartest man to ever live. I do not know that. He was the wisest man, but he may not have been. But he, could, he was up there with the top in being smart, intelligent. He was blessed with good, solid, godly people around him. Man, he had a good group of people around him that loved God. Some inheritance from his dad, David. As far as we know, he had good looks, tremendous wealth, a winsome personality, fame, peace in his days, everything one could possibly wish for, you would believe. Yet, as many of you know from reading your Bibles, he had a horrid ending. Horrid ending. He didn't have a bad ending. He had a horrid ending. Why? Well, in the next few minutes, let's look at some Bible, read some Bible, and then hopefully by the end of this, we'll come to some possible conclusions and maybe, by the grace of God, save us from making the mistakes he made. Because that's what I care about. I can't change what he did. Tonight, we can't change what Solomon did. It's, it's forever settled. But you are not done yet. You are not done yet. And that goes all the way to the 94-year-old, the 98-year-old, or, or to the young person. you gotta, you got life to live. So take your Bibles. We're going to read. It's going to be a couple lengthy passages. I'll read them quickly. Uh, just so you have a contextual grip on it. I, I want you to hear it. I want you to read it for yourself as you read along with me. If you don't have your Bible, just listen. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 through 14. I'm not accustomed to reading long passages of Scripture, but in this case, I just felt it necessary. I will make a few comments as I go down through the passage uh, and then uh, move on to one other passage that we have to read. 1 Kings 11, 1 through 14. But King Solomon loved many strange women. The word strange means wild, crazy. But not crazy like crazy, like, like insane crazy, but sexually crazy. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of Moabites and Ammonites, Edomites and Zidonians and Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall you come in, neither shall they come unto, unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. What's fuzzy about that? Evil influences good this side of heaven. Evil influences good more than good influences evil. I want you to get that real good, because I've heard people tell me, oh, preacher, I can do that. I don't have any problem with that. I get around that. That don't bother me at all, really. 
Well, we're looking at the wisest man that ever lived. And God said, if you marry these women like I told you not to do, they're going to take you away from me. Solomon clave unto these in love. And when is enough enough? Sometimes men get tempted away from their woman, the mother of their children, by some old floozy, thinking that that floozy is going to be better somewhere or another than his woman. It's a lie from hell. It really is a lie from hell, man. You got to get a grip on that. She's going to gut you like a fish. The pain will outweigh the pleasure so much that you won't even believe it. He has 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And the wives turned away his heart. He had a redhead, brunettes, blondes. He had black women, white women, yellow, round eyes, slant eyes, heavy, thin, tall, short. There ain't, listen, 1,000 is a big variety. I suppose this forever answers the question, would a man's insatiable lust ever be satisfied? And you have to say no. There's no satisfaction. I think a prophet said that, Mick Jagger. And it came to pass when Solomon was old and that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. His heart was not perfect, complete, whole, with the Lord his God, as was his heart of David, his father. Now, we know David had trouble, but David got right about that, repented about that, came back to God. For Solomon went after the Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, a hideous god. Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites, they, they sacrificed their babies on the fire, and they drummed to, cry, to try to uh, drown out the screaming of the children. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place at Chemish, Chemish, an abomination of Moab, and the hill is before Jerusalem, and Molech. Molech was the worst of the worst about sacrificing babies, the abomination of the children of Ammon. Likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrifice under their gods. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. <laughs> he commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore, the Lord said unto Solomon, for as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my commandment and my statutes which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it unto thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it. Wow. Why? For David's sake. I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. That was Rehoboam. Howbeit, I will not rend away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to thy son, thy son for David, again, David's sake. 
for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. The Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon, Hadad, the Edomite. He was of the king's seed in Edom. If a man's ways please the Lord, who caused even his enemies to be at peace with him. What's the opposite of that? If a man's ways do not please the Lord, he's going to stir you up some enemies. There'll be thorns in your side, thistles in your eyes. What happened? God appeared to this guy twice in his life. That's found in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 4 through 14. And the first time he appeared to him, he says, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and righteousness and uprightness in the heart. Thou hast kept him from great with, with uh, from him for him this great kindness, and thou hast given him a son to sit on the throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. And I know not how to go out or come in. Oh, he was humble. At the beginning, he was humble. Oh. And a servant in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people, cannot be numbered, nor kind of a multitude. Give therefore thy servant understanding heart to judge thy people. I may discern between good and bad. He, he said, ask what you want. He said, give me a heart to discern, to know the difference between good and bad. For who shall be able to judge this so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord. And Solomon asked this, one, this, this thing, and God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast thou asked the life of thine enemies, vengeance, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise unto thee, be like thee unto arise. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked for. What is that? I'm going to give you riches and honor, so that there shall be not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. If thou wilt walk in my ways and keep my statutes and my commandments as the father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. I'll give you a long life. Second time he appeared, it's found in chapter 9 of 1 Kings, verses 1 through 3. It came to pass when Solomon finished building the house of the Lord, the king's house, and all of Solomon's desire that it was, he was pleased to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me, and I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever. And mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. So the two times that God appeared to Solomon was a high privilege, was it not? It was a high privilege. And he gave him things that nobody else had. Solomon knew God's word was true. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56 is what he said. Blessed be the Lord that have given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all the good promise which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. He knew the word of God was true. But not just true like some of the new evangelicals of our day who believe in just the generality of the word being true. 
the phrases of the word, the paragraphs of the word, or maybe the thoughts of the word. Rather, the very words. He says not one word has failed. Joshua was another guy who said that earlier. He said, of all I've been through and all I've seen, not one word of God has failed. And brother, you'll say the same thing if you follow God. All the way home, you'll say he's not failed, not one time, not one word. Some, like so many, failed miserably because he did not connect the dots. Solomon had a glitch. He did not, he had, a, if I may say, a disconnect between knowledge and obedience. Knowing God's one thing, obeying God is another thing. His lust overcame his learning. It has been said you cannot overcome emotions with logic. You cannot overcome emotions with logic. What I see today on fake news and the, and the main media is emotions, 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 emotions. They don't want to know the facts. They don't want to know what was really black and white, right and wrong. They just want to know what they want to know emotionally. It just don't seem right or this or that other thing. It's terrible. Trying to, trying to argue with somebody that's emotional is, is like trying to argue with a drunk man, brother. You ever try to give the gospel to a drunk man? Boy, I have. He'll be like, oh, I won't get saved. And he'll be, you know, I love my mom. You know, I sinned against my mom and dad. I sinned against her. And they'll just be so repentant and so blubbery and crying. And, and you'll lead them to Jesus. The next morning, they don't even know who they what They're back to where they were. Trying to argue with somebody that's emotional. And men, I hope you get this. If your wife's emotional, that is not the time to try to make your point. Because you will not succeed. I've given it a shot. He knew God. He knew God's word. He believed verbally what God said was true. But he violated it openly. Let me make a couple statements. Wisdom did not help him. And all you're getting, get wisdom. Number one thing you should seek in your life is wisdom from God. I have, at 18 years old to today, one of my prayers, God's probably tired of hearing me talk about it, but I tell him I got to have it. I got to have wisdom. Wisdom. Why? He said in James, you can ask for wisdom, and if you, if you ask for wisdom, he'll not upbraid you. He'll give it to you. And so I figured, hey, it's a winner. It's considered in Proverbs the most important thing to have, and in James, it says, if you ask for it, you get it. It's a duh. One of your prayers should be, I got to have wisdom. Give me wisdom or I die. You need wisdom. It's the use of knowledge. You need wisdom more than knowledge. It's how to use knowledge. He had it. It didn't help him. All his advantages did not help him. His education did not help him. His privilege did not help him. All his counseling and counselors around him, and he had good ones, did not help him. All somehow failed, and he failed to connect together 
all that knowledge and obedience. I believe the warning here is this. If Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, failed with women, so can you. So can you, men. If you want to end well, you must do better than Solomon. Wow. You got to do better than Solomon. If you want to end well, you must connect knowledge and obedience together. You must shore up this area. And you must hang around people of like precious faith. <clears throat> hang around the liberal long enough and you may be influenced to be liberal. Hang around New Evangelical long enough and it may influence you to be New Evangelical. As he hung around these women, at first he thought, oh, well, you know, they can believe what they want, but I'm, I'm solid. I'm an old fundamental Bible believer. You ain't going to move me. <laughs> Psalm was not alone in the problem. Others of great privilege have failed. David, you know, he failed, but he got right. Solomon, also, Saul, if I may say, also failed. David violated a major command. Saul violated a major command. I do not believe that you and I have to fail like these men failed. I know from two times mentioned in the New Testament, the Old Testament was written for our admonition that we don't fail like they failed. Two times in the New Testament. Corinthians and Romans. We don't have to fail like they failed. You say, Brother Bill, I don't have... Close to the wisdom of Solomon, though. But if you just believe God in simple childlike faith and stay small in your own eyes, and, and God will help you not to fail. And how about this? Connect the dots. If the Bible says don't do something, quit being right in your own eyes, egotistical, saying you're going to be the exception, that everybody else where they failed, you'll succeed. Quit that. That's destructive thinking. Believe you're weak. When a man thinketh he standeth, beware lest he fall. Don't think you're going to be the one to stand. Think you're going to be the one to fail. I think you should prepare as if you were going to fail. Our counseling here at the church, years ago we started, uh, early on, right away I started, we're not going to counsel, men are not going to counsel women over an extended period of time. We're not going to do it. We're going to have women counsel women, and we're going to have men counsel men by the greater. But I mean, you know, a, man, a, 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 a pastor can counsel husband and wife as long as they're in the room. We put cameras in without voice. We don't have voice in our cameras because of the privacy of the thing. But we put cameras in. Uh, when, when I'm back there, or Chris is back there, or Thomas, back now Thomas is back there counseling somebody. One of our secretaries or one of us stay in the office. We put windows on the doors. That wasn't easy. Had to cut windows and put them in the doors so that there could not be too much privacy. What was all that for? Because we have a very spiritual youth pastor. Don't you trust him? Right. We have a very spiritual assistant pastor. Where's he at? Don't you trust him? Right, I don't. Heather, you'd be smart not to also. 
She may already say amen. I told my wife a long time ago when we got early married, don't trust me. If you see me doing something stupid, uh, if you see me starting to be gone too much, uh, or excuses get frail, call me out. Call me out. Bring the 12-gauge out. That's the West Virginia way of settling the thing. I'm looking down the barrel of that 12-gauge, but I get truthful all of a sudden. Uh, you don't have to fail. You and I have been given everything to succeed. Daniel didn't fail. And he had everything against him. Everything against him. He could have been bitter at his captors for killing his mom and dad. That would not be, you know, too unusual castrating him and, and robbing him of a family or ever having a family, using him as a slave to the people who killed his mom and dad and, and destroyed his city. Anybody normally would have gotten bitter on that. Man, Daniel didn't get bitter. He chose. The Bible says he purposed in his heart. Amen? You can purpose. How do I know you can do what Daniel did? Daniel did not have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We do. We have an advantage over Daniel. We have the Holy Spirit, who according to John 14, 23, I believe it is, Jesus' words will never leave us. We have the completed Word of God that we can go back and reference. They did not. They had very little of the Bible. In fact, Daniel may have had little to no reference of the Bible. He may not have had a Bible. It's not something that he would have necessarily had. How about Joseph? He's sold by his brothers. That don't surprise me. Sold by his brothers into slavery. Betrayed by his first master's wife. What do he say? Oh, she kept after him every day to have sex with him. He says, there is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife, and that's why you've been kept back. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You just saw the reason he succeeded. He had to fear the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the very beginning of wisdom. He did not want to violate God. Now, wait a minute. How good had God treated Joseph? Well, an average person would say not so good, right? He got sold into slavery, lost all of his personal rights, got bought by Potiphar, was uh, a slave of Potiphar's, was then harassed by his Potiphar's wife, uh, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife when he said this to her and resisted her, insulted her. I think Shakespeare said, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And, and she said, well, I'm going to get him. And she went and said, oh, he tried to, he tried to rape me in, in, our, in our house. And, of course, Potiphar, I just got to believe. I wonder if Potiphar really believed her. But anyway, he put him in jail. And when you were put in jail back then, you didn't have an advocacy groups and, you know, care packages. Uh, you were like 
gone. You were like disappeared. It was like you were like a nothing. You were a non-human. There were no human rights. If you died in the prison, you died. Nobody cared. They burnt you or buried you, and nobody would have cared. Nobody would have noticed. But he didn't get bitter. He feared God, trusted him. And I like later on when God raised him up and everything, his brothers came down here. He said, oh, now you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. You can be like Joseph. There's nothing holding you back from being like Joseph. You can be like Joseph. You say, how, brother? How about asking God to be like Joseph? Well, that's really deep. How about in your prayer? Brother, I don't know how to pray. A lot of people said, preacher, I don't know how to pray. Yet here, I'm, this is it. God, give me a heart like Joseph. Make me a Joseph. God, make me a Daniel. Make me a Daniel. God, make me an Elijah. Make me an Elijah. God, make me have, a, the, have the tenderness towards God as David had. Lord, Lord God, help me to have the faith of an Abraham. Ooh. Those are all good prayers. You can go down through the men, successful men and women of the Bible, and help me to have the courage of a Deborah. A Deborah had courage, man. She had courage. Stood out as a woman in a man's world. Stood up for God. Help me to have courage like that, to stand up for you. you didn't it, wasn't it Jesus who said you received not because you asked not? Right? Why don't you ask? No faith. So you ask for things that you believe God will do, don't you? Think about it. Judge yourself tonight. Judge righteous judgment. The reason you don't ask for stuff is you don't really think God will do it. Possibly. But if you believe God will give you, if you believe God would give you what you ask, don't ask for riches. Don't ask for fame. Don't ask for long life. I mean, you ought to learn that from Solomon. Ask to be able to discern between good and evil. Where'd you get that? Bible. You know, I just read it. So God, I want to be able to tell the difference between good and evil. Help me not to believe fake news. Help me not to swallow everything put out there on the media. Help me to know right and wrong. Man, you, you say, Brother Bill, I, I, I only pray for five minutes and I'm done. I'm giving you material in which to lengthen your prayer life. You can pray for a half hour easily by just going down through the men of the Bible and saying, God, give me what they had. You know, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. Oftentimes it's sweet three minutes of prayer and I ran out of things to say. I told God everything I knew in three minutes. What else are you going to say? There's, you can pray for an hour. You can pray for an hour and a half. You just got to have longer lists. Pray for 100 missionaries. That'll take a while. I mean, don't just pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. Now I pray, patty cake, patty cake, bakers, man for them. But pray for them. Pray for their marriages. You know what, they, you know what those people on that wall tell me? Preacher, help. Tell the folks to pray for my wife. Pray for my marriage. Pray for my kids. My kids are over here in a foreign land. And I'm going to tell you, Skype has hurt missions. FaceTime has hurt missions. The constant communication that they have back in the States here has hurt them. 
because it keeps it in front of the kids and in front of the mama too much. She has left mama. She has left the United States. She has left her grandchildren. She's left her, her parents. Seeing them all the time does not make it better. It makes it worse. Take that for what you want. That's my opinion on that. But I'm seeing people come back from missions like never before. Mission directors are scratching their head and saying, what is going on? Why are these missionaries quitting after the first term? Why are they quitting after the second term? What's going on? Well, could it not be maybe? Communicate. What's new? What's new? Communication is one thing that's brand new. We do not understand the full effect of a communication like we have now and what's going on. You don't have to fail. Purpose in your heart like Daniel. Fear God like Joseph and want, and want to end well. Ask God for it. I want it. I won't accept anything less than ending well. I won't accept anything less than being pleasing in your sight, being tender to the Holy Spirit, being open for the instruction of the Word of God. I won't take anything less. And God will give it to you. Man, He's waiting to give it to you. He wants to give it to you. He desires us to give it to you. Vito, your brain is getting better since the war. You're healing. God's healing your mind. How's he doing that? You said, I want to memorize scripture. Well, you think God likes that? When you want to know his word, he goes, oh, yeah. You want to, you want to memorize what I said? Oh, it'll heal your mind. I had a guy, John Asher, you know, I'm going to mention him. John, if you're listening to this. John Asher, in my class, we had those, those cards to memorize years and years ago. And he said, I, can, I cannot memorize anything. And he made a big deal of it in class. I can't memorize anything. I've never finished a book. I've never read a book to the end. I've never finished a book. I'm not a reader. And I can't memorize anything. I accepted what he said. I figured, well, okay, John, if you can't do it, don't do it. But what I didn't know was it tweaked him. And he memorized one verse and got up in class, in my Sunday school class, and quoted it. Oh, that's interesting, John. He ended up quoting every one of them. But he didn't just quote them. He kept them. Accumulatively, as teachers would say, learned it. And he can quote them all. And today is a soul winner on fire for leading people to Christ. The Word of God will heal you. It's like a balm from Gilead. Where do I know all those phrases? The Bible. It's all coming from the Bible. It begins to pour out. He says, if you believe in me, I'll cause rivers of living water to come out of you. The Bible will come out of you. The wisdom of God will begin to come out of you. And that water will be satiate the thirsty souls in a dry and barren land that we live, spiritual land. It'll help you. You can choose the fear of the Lord. You can choose it or not. Proverbs 129 says, For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. The Bible says you can choose the fear of the Lord. You get what you want. You do what you want. I don't know anybody that's ever challenged me on this statement. You pretty much do what you want to do. And all the women said, 
about their husbands? Yeah, he pretty much does whatever he wants to do. Well, that's because that's pretty universal. If you really want, now I know this talk, if a woman wants something, if she really wants something, I mean, she really, really wants something, mark it down. She's going to get it. I rarely know anybody. Okay, let me tell you a little quick story. Naomi and Pastor McKinney. I went to their house a lot. I worked under Pastor McKinney for 11 years. He was 60 years old when I was 28 years old, and I came here. He was my, he mentored me in a lot of ways. And he was an old veteran, and I was a young guy. And so he, he helped me a lot in a lot of perspective. He's a godly man, loved Jesus, man. There's just a lot of good things about him. His wife also was a godly woman, Naomi. And uh, I would go to their house and fellowship with him, and I tried to be around him. I tried to get what I could get out of him. And so I would go over there and just, just sometimes have lunch with him or sometimes just have a snack with him, sometimes eat nothing, but just sit over there and say, help me. What about this? What do you think about this? And at their house, I would knock on their front door, and when they would open the door, you know, mosquitoes would come in, Florida. So I heard her say to him, "Hun, wouldn't it be nice if we had a little screened-in porch at the front of my house? Wouldn't it be nice to have a little screened-in porch to where when somebody comes in, there's an extra door and the mosquitoes don't come in the house? And he goes, absolutely not. We don't need another, another one. We don't need one more thing on this house. We do not need, and I'm going to make this clear in front of Pastor Bill, we are not going to get a screen porch. I figure he's the man in the house, buddy. So he go, I go over there a couple months later, and I knock on the screen porch. He comes out, and he goes, Whatever that woman wants, she gets it. And I came up with a little statement that, that followed her to her death. What Naomi wants, Naomi gets. I put it on a little license plate, gold trim, real nice license plate, and they put it on the front of their Cadillac. What Naomi wants, Naomi gets. When they, when they resigned from here, he had Alzheimer's and stuff. They went back up and moved up to... Uh, Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, and their little mobile home they had there. I went and visited them, and in their house, they had this little license plate up on the wall. What Naomi wants, Naomi gets. And we chuckled and laughed and called and just had every kind of fun with that thing forever. She just loved it. She knew it was, and boy, he would always say every time I brought it up, absolutely right, absolutely right. Can I challenge you tonight? You're going to get what you want. And when you stand before God someday, there are not going to be any excuses. If you miss it. If you miss it, you didn't want it. Because if you want it, God will give it to you. I hope you want it. Want it for God.
drive a stake down. Beat yourself up. Make it happen. And oh, you'll be happy. You think Daniel's happy tonight? Yeah. Joseph happy tonight? Yeah. Solomon? No. Solomon's not happy. No. Jesus said at the judgment there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's that mean? That means they'll see that they blew it. And there's no going back and redeeming it. I'm not talking about salvation, not saved. I'm not talking about saved, not saved. Don't let that cloud the issue up. I'm talking about your opportunity to live for God. Don't blow it. And you'll be happy you don't. Father, help us tonight. Give us wisdom from above. May the Holy Spirit take this, do what I could not do. Send this out all over the world via the internet. Help some voice. Save some people. Well, I'd be thrilled tonight. I'd be just thrilled beyond. The word of God will not return void. It will accomplish what's your purpose. I believe tonight this will go somewhere and help somebody. Save them from an end like Solomon. God save them. Save me. I'm not done yet. Save me. Righteous cry, the Lord heareth, deliver them out of all, them trouble, all their trouble. I have enough childlike faith to believe that to be true. Do you? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord delivereth them out of them all. Do you believe that? Father, help us to call on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.